welcome to the very first episode of the Saluki Games Cast. My name is Justin Young. We are coming to you from the School of Communication Studies at Southern Illinois University, Carbondale. My guests this week are OJ Duncan. Hey, OJ. Hey, Justin. How's it going? Pretty good. How are you? Doing pretty good. Uh, Ryan Friels. Hello, Justin. How are you doing, Ryan? I'm doing good. How are you? <laughs> I'm pretty good. <laughs> I think, you know, the first time I say I'm pretty good, <laughs> you can all just assume that I've, my status has not changed considerably um, in the last 10 seconds. Um, I know everybody's just being polite. <laughs> and, and now I'm a jerk for calling it out. <laughs> and our last guest is uh, Alicia Utech. How are you? I'm doing well, Justin. And, you know, we like the number three. So how are you doing? <laughs> Um, I, as noted, I am doing very, very, very good. I'll put in three varies just so everybody's on the same page with this. Justin, I'll just check in with you again in like five minutes, buddy. <laughs> hey, five minutes is good at this point. <laughs> at least it's not five seconds. Um, all right. So, um, all three of the guests this week are graduate students within the School of Communication Studies. And this podcast, since this is our first episode, you may be wondering what we're doing other than like nitpicking one another <laughs> and the, uh, our personal greetings to one another. I've already cried a few times. <laughs> Uh, but this this is a new podcast. We're going to be talking about video games. Um, the guest chairs will be potentially rotating, but you know maybe uh, the four of us for a while. But maybe we'll have some different people in from now, uh, different times. And the idea behind this podcast is really to kind of talk about video games and the news in video games, and then maybe about bigger issues around video games, maybe some of the social issues facing video games or how they're reflected in video games, uh, maybe some of the research that our students are doing, um, they can bring in and use that uh, to talk about games. But it's really just a way for us to get together, hang out, talk about video games, and then hopefully promote some of the stuff that uh, we're doing here at SIU. So we're going to start off with talking about what we've been playing lately. So uh, Alicia, since I came to you last, we'll start with you first here. Uh, what have you been playing lately? So funny story, I am broke. <laughs> <laughs> so that, I have that's a lot less funny than you think. <laughs> <laughs> so I have not been able to get a lot of new game systems in quite a while. But the good news is my boyfriend has a Nintendo Switch that he now leaves at my apartment. So I've been playing a lot of Pokemon Sword lately. That is my go-to right now. I beat Jim 1 last night. I'm having a great time. And we do hope you see more in him than just a Switch, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah, he's great. This is just, the, the Switch is what the reason I'm dating him. The rest is just perks. <laughs> <laughs> so you're playing Sword and Shield. That yep. was the last um, mainline new Pokemon game, right? That's Yeah, that was which, Generation 8. Right. And we actually were going to be talking about, they just announced Generation 9. So what do you think of Generation 8? Um, you know, it was kind of new. It was kind of moving more towards an sort of open world type game versus some of the, you know, older Pokemon games. Um, how do you respond to that? I'm really enjoying the open world aspects. You know, I haven't gotten to play Legends Arceus yet. I ordered that last night, so I should be playing that soon. But I'm having a really good time just being able to like run around and 
especially being able to see in the grass what Pokemon you're about to encounter so I can try and get more of, you know, my favorites rather than just, okay, here's a new encounter. Hopefully it's something, ah, <laughs> oh, dang it, it's another Pidgey. <laughs> right. That, that's one of the frustrations of the older Pokemon games that you can run into the same Pokemon over and over again when you're trying to you know, collect them all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, they started that where you could see the Pokemon with the, um, what was it, the, the Pikachu and Eevee games. Yeah, let's, let's go. go Pikachu. Let's, let's go. go Eevee. Yeah, I always want to call those Pokemon Go Pikachu, and, <laughs> um, and I'm confusing two different Pokemon games there. So uh, yeah, so that seems like a, a big change and a, a big innovation that makes it a little easier to uh, catch them all, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, cool. Uh, anybody else been playing Pokemon? <laughs> all right, no. <laughs> Instead of yeah. crickets, <laughs> uh, I say both of my partners are, but I'm I'm not big on most of the Pokemon games. Okay, um, so Ryan, how about you? What um, have you been playing? So I've been playing a game called uh, AI: The Somnium Files. I think that's what it's called. Yeah, that's what it's called. Um, it's like kind of a detective visual novel game mm-hmm. uh, where you're just you're going around Tokyo and you're like investigating a murder crime that kind of sprawls out and like becomes like about a bunch of other things um, and just general corruption going on. And the twist is that you have like technology that allows you to go into people's dreams and investigate and try to find some answers there in their dreams. Um, And I, what I like about it on that is like the dreams aren't like a perfect answer. You still have like a reason like investigate and ask people questions and stuff. Uh, but they're like become like these cool surreal experience like puzzles uh, that you can go into and figure out more and more about the characters. Uh, it's not a perfect game. There's some like cringy humor in it. Um, but what's great about it is great, and I, I've been having a blast with it so far. So if you're like into like cyberpunk visual novels stuff like that, um, I it's definitely one I'd recommend. Just uh, just a warning. It has some really cringy jokes in it that. Make me gag at times. So when you say cringy humor, is this like internet meme humor? Is this like offensive cringe humor? Like what Uh, kind of cringe humor? Some of it's a little offensive. It's just like perverted dude bro humor. Oh, Um, Like there's just like jokes about the main detective being kind of a pervert. And uh, most of it's like a lot of it's like some of it's not offensive really, but it's just kind of ugh. And but then some of it does okay. That that got a little weird and uncomfortable right there. Um, right. So that's like something I would give a warning to people on. Um, and is there a twist to this game? Maybe you know. Maybe don't spoil it for people. But it seems like a lot of the visual novels in the last few years, like I'm thinking of Doki Doki Literature Club and some of the other ones, have really been built around having some sort of twist to the story that or even the gameplay, even how you interact with it. Like they're, they go somewhere beyond traditional visual novels. Is anything like that going on in this one? Right. So this is actually my first visual novel. So I don't know how oh, different okay. enough really necessarily is going to be from a lot, but what I know so far is that like within the story, there are certainly twists and the way it's set up is that if you do reach a particular ending, cause there are multiple endings, you don't necessarily have to then start back at the very beginning. You have a flow chart where you can kind of go back to a certain point where you made particular choices. 
and then um, go on and make different choices. And that's even kind of blended into the sci-fi nature of it. Like that's kind of pertains to some of the stuff they talk about. I don't want to say too much about that because spoilers, but. Um, so almost like a, a groundhog day where they explain it within the narrative, why you would be able to do this. A little bit. At first it doesn't make sense, but it starts to. Okay. Um, and something I liked was that an ending might not make perfect sense that you reach to it. Like I, so my, the first ending I reached, it was, it just kind of felt random. I was like, okay, what just happened there? Um, and then when I started to play like a down a different route, I was starting to find out some information that actually kind of explained what happened in the other ending. Um, like it didn't, you know, it, that ending didn't happen in this timeline, so to speak, but you were getting answers that explained, okay, so that's why said thing happened to this character um, when it didn't make much sense and it seemed really random at first. Okay. Yeah, that um, sounds really interesting. Yeah, I, I like it a lot. Do uh, any of the rest of you play visual novels? I have, uh, I've read quite, or played quite a few of them in the past, but I haven't recently. Okay, yeah. Um, I, I've played a few, so, I, you know, I was thinking of that one. Um, I don't know if any of you ever played Dream Daddy. Yes. That came out four or five years ago, it seems like at this point. Um, you know, I played uh, that and Doki Doki Literature Club, and I feel like maybe a couple others. I, I wouldn't say they're exactly my genre, um, but, you know, they're the people who are into those, like, are really into them, and they're, you know, it seems to be a, a quite a fervent following for those. I know there's a lot of, like, anime-style uh, visual novel games out there th these days. Yeah, I haven't played any, but I've watched... There are some YouTubers who I watch Let's Plays of that do a few of them, so... It's a, it's a genre that, like, I would like to explore further. Mm. I just haven't had the chance to get into it yet. Same, which kind of frustrates me, because this is going to be another, like, time consumption device <laughs> and I don't need another one but I really enjoyed this and I started looking up other visual novels that I might be interested in and I was like no don't do this Ryan <laughs> uh, Doki Doki Literature Club used to be free on Steam I don't know if it still is because they put out like a, a special edition version of it at some point when they released it on consoles um, but it used to be free and like, that's completely worth uh, trying Though I, I will warn the audience that there are some very sort of disturbing um, themes that get addressed. That game's uh, one of the ones that I've seen recently that has an actual trigger warning at the mm. beginning of the game when you start playing. Um, and it needs it. Um, so that's all I'll say to it. Um, all right. Uh, OJ, what have you been playing lately? So I've been going back. Uh, originally, I started playing EverQuest um, in 1999. So... Uh, aging myself a little bit there. Uh, so I started playing it. I played until about 2005 and 2006, and then I stopped. Um, and one of the big things about EverQuest is that you had to have a group. There was almost no soloing in the game at all. Everything was, was fairly difficult, so it was built around actually grouping with six people. Um, I decided to go back and try it again recently, and they've done a lot of quality of life um, changes that made it much easier. I always played a cleric, which healed and pretty much did nothing else. There was there was no way to solo anything at all. Even stuff that was like 20, 30 levels below you could kill you easily as a cleric because all you did was heal. But they've done a lot of changes to the cleric class, which I really liked, which made them a pretty, a pretty big powerhouse when they're soloing. Uh, so EverQuest is what I've been playing. And I played a lot of MMOs after EverQuest. I played uh, Dark Age of Camelot, uh, World of Warcraft, Final Fantasies 11 and 14. 
And nothing ever really gave me the same sense as EverQuest. So going back to it, it's been pretty fun, uh, nostalgic, going through the old levels and finding all the new places. Yeah, EverQuest is the only uh, MMO that I ever spent any real time with, mostly because I played it for a couple of months, I think, um, very early on, not necessarily when it first came out, but fairly early on. Um, and then I decided this is very unhealthy for me. Like I, I could see myself spending tons of hours a month just playing this one game, and I decided I need to stay away from MMOs. <laughs> like <laughs> this is not going to necessarily end well for me. Um, but you know they've they've really updated that game. I mean they would have had to over twenty five years at this point. Mm-hmm. So going back to it now it, is it does it feel like a new game going back at this point? Uh, it does because, so I've gone from, let's see, when I quit playing, the level cap was 70 and now it's 120. Uh, so it's a pretty big jump. And I've been able as a cleric to, so, well, not solo, but molo, because um, they have mercenaries that you can hire now. Um, so I've been able to use the mercenary and have them do damage while I'm healing them. And so I've been able to go up to level 92 now. Um, so it's been a pretty big jump and that never would have happened before. Mm-hmm. in EverQuest. So it does seem kind of like a whole new game, but the class feels pretty pretty much the same. Um, I can do a little more damage, but mostly it's just healing, which I, I enjoy in EverQuest. I never really enjoyed in any other games either. And it's funny that you mentioned about, oh, I should probably stop playing this, because <laughs> when I looked at my uh, amount of time played, I have over 460 real-life days in Oh, in wow. EverQuest, <laughs> playing this just this one character, not counting any of the other characters that I've had. And I, for a very long time, I woke up, played EverQuest, and went to bed uh, with working a little bit in between here and there. So that uh, that's something I've really been paying attention to as I come back to it like 15, 16 years later. And I'm only allowing myself to play for a certain amount of time every day and then making myself stop just so I don't really fall into that. Because uh, EverQuest, World of Warcraft, and Final Fantasy XI, I, all three of those, I fell really deeply into and pl- spent a lot of time playing. So... You haven't tried uh, Final Fantasy fourteen yet? Oh, no, I have. Uh, I I love the story of the game, and I really like playing the game, but there's a very specific way that you have, like a very specific pattern of what you do as a character, and that's it. You just have to keep on doing the same thing over and over again. Um, so I got kind of bored with it. Yeah, 14 is the big one that my sister plays a lot with her best friend, and it's great for them because they're able to hang out. You know, my sister's in Minnesota. Her best friend is in New York. But, yeah, I've, I've sat and watched a few times while they play, and I'm like, this is a little repetitive. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, 14 is one of those games that kind of snuck up, I feel like, on a lot of people. Like, how popular that game is. Back in January, they had to actually shut down uh, new people signing mm-hmm. up for that game. They stopped selling the game online uh, because it was so popular. They couldn't, their servers couldn't handle mm-hmm. all the players coming into it. And that just kind of shocked me because that seemed like a game, you know, of course it had a very troubled uh, original launch. Mm-hmm. They like went back and completely remade the game and everything. Um, there's a really good documentary on uh, No Clip on YouTube. Um, where they actually go in and interview a lot of the people responsible for the game and talking about how they turned it around and made it a successful game after Mm -hmm. that first launch. Um, That's no clip video for anybody who wants to uh, look for that on YouTube. But um, 
you know, and, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, everybody's playing this game. And not only is everybody playing it, but they're talking about it like it's the best game ever mm-hmm. made. Um, and that really caught me off guard because, I, you know, it's just not an area that I was following that much. Yeah, I actually tried to uh, – my partner still continues to play it. Um, and when Endwalker came out, I went to try and buy it, but it was right after they started blocking people coming back in it, so I couldn't get a copy of it to start playing again. Well, maybe all the better for you since you already have <laughs> another yeah. game to play. Yeah. Um, all right, so uh, I have been playing a game – and I am going to butcher this title because it's an anime-based game, and I have no idea. Like, I, This is one of those anime that's been made into games over the years, and I, I can't tell you anything about it. But it's Record of Lotus War, uh, Deedlit um, in Wonder Labyrinth, and I have no idea. I'm probably mispronouncing two or three words out of the name of that game and everything. This is not the type of game I would ever play normally, and certainly I would have just skipped over it. But I did read somebody on Twitter saying, like, this is fantastic. This is a great Metroidvania if you like those sorts of games, like uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night and everything. And if you have an Xbox, it is on Xbox Game Pass. So if you're already subscribed to that, you get the game free and can play it and everything. So that's how I'm playing it. Um, and I think it's one of those games that's a fantastic example or selling point for Xbox Game Pass because I don't think I ever would have picked up this game unless it was really cheap, $5 or something, mm. but I never would have paid full price for this game. And here I've been playing it. It's a Metroidvania. Um, so, you know, Castlevania Symphony of the Night or Metroid, if you like either of those games, or Ori in the Blind Forest, those sorts of games. Uh, this is very similar to those. Uh, I guess kind of the the hook to it, at least early on where I am, is if you've ever played the shooter Ikaruga, mm. that was uh, originally a Dreamcast game, but it's been ported to just about everything at this point. Um, that's, uh, that's always been a, one of my favorite shooters because it's kind of, there's a puzzle element to it in that, you can change the color of your ship back and forth from black to white, and that changes the color of the bullets you fire. But if you change yourself to a black ship, then the enemy bullets that are black don't hurt you. And if you switch over to being a white ship, and you can do this at just the press of a button, then the white bullets don't hurt you. And so it's one of those bullet hell games and the screen will be filled with bullets and you're having to switch back and forth between black and white as you're navigating through the bullets, but you're also having to shoot enemies and you're also having to think about what color the enemies are while you're doing this. Well, this game borrows that mechanic, but into a Metroidvania. So you'll be walking through hallways and there will be barriers that you can leap through if you change the color of your character or I think it's more of an elemental alignment of your character in this game. Um, But then you'll fight bosses that, you know, one, you'll be fighting two bosses at the same time. One of them will be one alignment, one will be the other alignment. And so you're having to switch back and forth to hurt them, but then also to protect yourself so that their their attacks don't hurt you, Um, which can get overwhelming. Um, Ikaruga is a game that's completely overwhelming um, and I'm not very good at, but I still like it. This game I'm a little better at because it's a Metroidvania and it 
one of the things I do like about it is that you make very quick progress early on in the game. So you're getting uh, new abilities and upgrades and everything very quickly early on. So you feel like you're making a whole lot of progress uh, very quickly. And, um, and so far I haven't hit a wall where I'm just like, Oh, this is too hard. I can't progress anymore. Um, so if you like those sorts of games um, and like a little bit of maybe shooter bullet hell mixed in, potentially, if that sounds at all uh, appealing to you, then this is a really great game. And again, if you have Xbox Game Pass, it's on there. So there's really no reason not to try it if you have that already. Um, all right. So that's what we've been playing. Um, I haven't gotten into Elden Ring yet, so I would like to get that soon and... Spring break is next week, so maybe that'll be my spring break project <laughs> is to play some Elden Ring. Um, all right, we're going to move over to the news. And, you know, most weeks we'll hopefully just be kind of recapping the most recent news. But because it's our first episode and we're uh, recording this on February 28th, so basically two months complete for the new year, we thought we'd kind of look back at some of the big news stories for the year so far. And by far the biggest news story of the year has to be that Microsoft is buying Activision Blizzard for $68.7 billion. Um, so this gives Microsoft control over all of Activision Blizzard's games. So this is the aforementioned World of Warcraft. This is uh, Diablo. This is Overwatch. This is uh, Call of Duty, which I think we mentioned Um you know, this is uh, Crash Bandicoot would fall under this, the Tony Hawk Pro Skater series, um, tons and tons of different games that fall under this deal. Um, any reactions to this? What were, what were kind of your thoughts when you heard about this? Um, you know, the potential, I guess, here that a lot of people are worried about is that it means all these games will be Xbox exclusives. Yeah, that's kind of my worry you know i've i've been a playstation gal my whole life and you know games like crash bandicoot i loved playing that as a kid and now i'm like okay it when when we started getting new ones again i was really excited and now i'm like i don't have an xbox i don't have any of this please don't go exclusive on me (laughs) (laughs) yeah and that that uh, crash remake that they did of the crash trilogy was that the insane trilogy i think mm-hmm. is what they called it um that's a really really good package like they did a really good job remaking those and you know those games feel pretty good uh kind of surprisingly they, they felt like games that would have aged maybe poorly but in that package they the they felt like they really hold up well um yeah they did a great job with that yeah uh, any other thoughts just again, I've been a, a well Nintendo first and then PlayStation second. I've always been kind of wary of Xbox game stuff, so I hope that all of the games actually stay on PlayStation. Like I know they promised that Call of Duty would still be on PlayStation, um, and hopefully all of the other Activision Blizzard games will stay on PlayStation, um, especially as they're thinking about making the was it PlayStation Spartacus uh, to match the Game Pass. I'm hoping that they'll still allow the games to be on on Spartacus. Yeah. Um, and Sony's kind of response to that was to buy Bungie for $3.6 billion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so much less money. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it just feels kind of petty too. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah? yeah. Yeah. So Bungie, the original developers of Halo, uh, but now the developers of Destiny, uh, this deal does not include Halo. So Microsoft does retain Halo, uh, but Sony does own Bungie now. They own the Destiny franchise, but Sony has been very upfront saying that the Destiny franchise will continue on other platforms. So it doesn't sound like they're planning to take that exclusive in any way. Um, I don't know. Any of you uh, Destiny players? I'm not. It's it's on my list of games to play, but no, I haven't played any Destiny games. I tried to play a little bit of Destiny. Um, you know, I like Halo. Uh, I, I feel like Halo feels really good as a first-person shooter. Um, I'm not super into the competitive scene in first-person shooters, but of you know of the ones out there, it always had a great feel to it. Destiny retains that feel. I feel like it just feels good shooting in that game. Um, you feel like there's an impact to what you're doing um, to everything in that game, but it, it's just one of those games. You know, it, it's sort of an MMO light. Uh, it's a live service game, and so I, I feel like you have to invest, you know, dozens of hours before you really start getting the full effect of the game. Um, and it's just not something I had the time to do. Um, but I, I could certainly see somebody pouring, you know, dozens of hours into that game very easily. Um, the, the rumors have been that Sony was really interested in Bungie, uh, less just because of Destiny, but more because... They want to get more into live service style games like Destiny, and they really wanted Bungie's expertise for that. So one of the things I know that they've been in development on is a Last of Us multiplayer game. Oh wow! Oh wow! And so that um, that seems they announced that. That's not a rumor or anything. They announced they were working on that, and then it got delayed. Um, but that seems like something that Bungie could come in and potentially help them with you know, of how to, the lessons they've learned over doing Destiny now for the last, whatever, it's been six or so years that they've been developing that series. Um, February saw one of the biggest Nintendo Directs that we've ever seen um, with lots of new games, particularly if you are a retro gamer. I feel like they really kind of catered to that audience and everything with some of the big announcements. So uh, we're just going to run through some of these, and then if you have thoughts or reactions to them as I go through them, like just jump in. Uh, one of the first ones was Xenoblade Chronicles 3. I am so hyped for this. <laughs> so are you a Xenoblade fan? Um, these are games that, like I said, I've watched Let's Plays. I haven't had the chance to play them myself, but now that I have a Switch, thanks to my boyfriend, <laughs> I am absolutely going to be getting this one as soon as it comes out. And they've ported uh, a couple of the Xenoblade games to the Switch, right? I mean, a, co a couple of them because they were originally like Wii games or Wii U games. Yeah. 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 So that that one's a matter of money for me getting those. <laughs> Since I've seen Let's Plays, I don't feel an urgent need to get them. Right. But this one, I'm like, as soon as it's out, give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else a Xenoblade fan? Not me, no. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, well, we know who our big Xenoblade fan is. So <laughs> when that game comes out, we definitely need Alicia back <laughs> to, to talk about it to us. Um, one of the more surprising bits of news, I, I feel like Xenoblade Chronicles 3 was kind of a foregone conclusion, but one of the more surprising pieces of news was Mario, K- Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is getting 48 new uh, DLC tracks. Good Lord. AKA 48 new ways to hate your family. <laughs> <laughs> See, I thought this was a really good idea though, because the game was pretty good within itself. I don't think it needed a new version or a right. new update, mm-hmm. um, but adding all the new tracks is going to add nostalgia. So more people are going to buy it. I know I'm, I already own it, but I'm going to be getting all the new tracks just because I love Mario Kart throughout the ages. So I think, I think it was a really good idea because a new game wouldn't have done much. I think. Yeah, and Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is still one of the best-selling games every year. Like, Mm -hmm. that game has sold over 40 million copies on the Switch, Mm -hmm. and, you know, which is an insane number kind of to think about. Like, um, you know, the original Super Mario Brothers has only sold, like, 40 million copies. (laughs) You know, here's Mario Kart 8 Deluxe selling an equal number, which seems kind of crazy to think about. Um, But, yeah, I mean... Nintendo has announced that they're working on a Mario Kart now, 9. Um, and, you know, this seems to be a very clear indication that that game is still a few years away because these 48 tracks are going to be released over the next two years through the end of uh, 2023. So I don't feel like we're getting Mario Kart 9 until after 2023. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's a pretty good indication where we stand with that. But, yeah, it's $25. Um, which doesn't seem too bad of a price, um, at all. you know, for 48 tracks and everything. Um, cause a, a lot of the tracks in the deluxe version were DLC originally for, uh, Mario Kart eight on the Wii U. So I'm pretty sure they actually got money out of me for that, um, <laughs> for the, the Zelda track or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, they also announced Fire Emblem Warriors Three Heroes. Um, this is what they call a Musha game, um, one of the sort of like um, Dynasty Warriors where you're just running around killing 20 enemies with each sword slash. I don't know. Is anybody a fan of those games? This is another one I'm looking forward to. You'll find very quickly, like, this is my niche. This <laughs> is like the JRPG style open world run around and enemy encounters and all this stuff. I... Again, have not gotten to play Fire Emblem games before. You'll find there's a lot of games I haven't played, but I've watched LPs of. (laughs) Right. But Fire Emblem is one that, you know, most of my exposure to that has been from the Super Smash Brothers series. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm like, okay, I have the chance to actually play a Fire Emblem game. Let's go. I am ready. Yeah, and this is very different than a traditional Fire Emblem game. They're sort of, you know, grid-based strategy games, and this is more of a, a straightforward action game. Um, I did play the Zelda one, uh, Hyrule Warriors, um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. Um, you know, there's not a whole lot of strategy to those games. <laughs> They're kind of turning your brain off and just run around and feel like, massively overpowered mm-hmm. um, it's perfect for, for my relaxation time <laughs> yeah i mean like I, they feel like a perfect podcast game right where like you don't really need to pay attention to what you're doing your brain can be on something else and just kind of check out what you're doing that so uh, for fire emblem fans that should be right up their alley 
the next game was Mario Strikers Battle League. So this is the sequel to, I think it was called Super Mario Strikers, um, which was a GameCube soccer game featuring the Mario cast. So it's been a good 10 years since we had one of these. Um, I don't know. Any fans of Nintendo sports games? Um, just the Mario Kart games for most part. I am actually interested in this. Um, I I kind of missed the other Mario Strikes games. I kind of wish I tried them, but now this is coming out. And I just like that it's not Mario Soccer. I mean, it kind of is, but they're leaning into the fact that this isn't a, a direct adaptation. This is the Nintendo version of that. And I like that they're, by calling it Strikers, they're just kind of leaning. I like, and by the fact that they have been doing that, they're just leaning into that. And it just looks so cool from the trailer. So I'm... Um, I'm not typically into sports games, but this this is kind of an exception for me. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely isn't just FIFA with Mario characters in it, right? It's, right. it's not a soccer simulation. Um, this one actually reminded me a whole lot from the trailers of, um, oh, I'm drawing a blank on its name, Rocket League. Um, mm. You know, it, it kind of had that vibe to it and everything, um, even more than the original Mario Strikers, um, which... I can't fault them. Rocket League is a very good game and very popular, so um, that should be interesting. Uh, the next one was uh, Chrono Cross Remaster. So Chrono not, Cross, yep. Not a remake, uh, but a remaster. This is the PlayStation uh, Chrono game, so not Chrono Trigger for the Super Nintendo. This is the PlayStation one that is a somewhat sort of sequel to that game <laughs> if you dig really into the plot and everything. So, Alicia, you left at this, so I'm assuming <laughs> this is another favorite. Oh, yeah. This is, once again, CNLPs, ready for a chance to play myself. I'm going to be broke by the end of all this, just, <laughs> just in case that was any question. <laughs> um, so, in other words, we need to up your stipend as a graduate <laughs> student. <laughs> Um, they also announced a Nintendo Switch Sports. So this is Wii Sports, but a for the Nintendo Switch. And it is uh, motion-based, which kind of surprised me because Nintendo hasn't done a whole lot on the Switch with motion-based games. Uh, but this included tennis and volleyball and um, their, like, sort of sword battling game. Um and they're going to release golf as DLC in the fall. Uh, but this just seemed like sort of a no-brainer. Like, Nintendo needed to release a new Wii Sports, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Those games are insanely popular, and um, getting this onto the Switch just seems like it will also be insanely popular. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I feel like those ones are always good for, you know, like, my family used to play Wii Sports together, and like my dad and mom, not gamers in the slightest. Mm -hmm. So I think bringing that onto the Switch kind of brings back this sense of like, okay, let's get the whole family on board and get everybody who's maybe wouldn't be as hyped about all these other games, but they're like, oh yeah, I remember playing Wii Bowling and throwing the bowling ball back and all the little knees <laughs> jumping up and screaming. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I think it has that sort of uh, Jackbox party pack sort of vibe to it, right? That anybody can jump in and play. And like you said, you don't have to be somebody who's diehard into video games to be into mm -hmm. it. Yeah, we're definitely buying it as soon as it comes out of my house. 
Um, next was Front Mission 1 and 2 remakes. Um, so these are uh, strategy mech games that were originally came out on the PlayStation. Um, anybody into the Front Mission games? They were never games that I got into. Yeah, yeah these never, are new for me. Yeah, I never <laughs> yeah, got into them. I think this is the first I've heard of them. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I really, this is, um, you know, I really like uh, Final Fantasy Tactics. So, um, you know, they seem like games I could get into. Um, and, you know, with a fresh coat of paint, they seem much more appealing to get into them. Um, they also had Kirby in the Forgotten Land. Um, and they, they <laughs> this game has been announced for a, a while, but they announced a mouthful mode, <laughs> which is... Kirby doesn't necessarily swallow something and uh, completely absorb it, but he just holds it in his mouth. Instead of wearing hats, Kirby becomes the hat. <laughs> right, yeah. And so the trailer showed off, um, you know, the trailer when they announce it shows him swallowing a car. We've got car mode. We've got vending machine mode. Traffic cone. Traffic cone. <laughs> it looks so ridiculous. I love it. But, you know, when he swallows the car in the trailer, you're like, okay, okay, what's happening here? And then they just show him, like, you know, basically lying on top of the car. Like, you're right. He's the hat of the car. And you're like, this is kind of creepy, actually. They brought David at Lynch in for a day, and he's like, I have some directions for this. And we know that Kirby can swallow things much, much bigger than the car, too. So, like, the idea that he's stuck on it is just weird. Yeah, I mean, but it, it looks great. Yeah. I mean, uh, the when, you know, I was kind of not sewed on the car, and then I think immediately they cut to the vending machine. I was like, okay, yeah, I get it now. <laughs> yeah. I get what we're doing here with this. Um, but, yeah, that that game looks amazing, I think, mm-hmm. so far. Oh, absolutely. It's the most yeah. interesting I've ever been in a Kirby game, personally. Um, yeah, I've yeah. heard that from several people, that this is the Kirby game that they're excited to play suddenly. Um, so. Good on Nintendo for giving Kirby the spotlight, it feels like. Little pink puffball deserves it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They announced Earthbound um, and Earthbound Beginnings for the Switch Online service. So if you subscribe to that, I feel like Earthbound was one of the last uh, big requested titles Mm -hmm. for the Super Nintendo, that and Mario RPG. And I I don't think we'll ever get Mario RPG because Square Enix (sighs) has some control over that. Um, and then Earthbound Beginnings, if you're not familiar, that's the original NES uh, game. So that's actually Mother 1. Earthbound is Mother 2. Um, and then we never got any of those games until Earthbound <laughs> and Mother 2. And then they went back and released um, the Mother 1 as Earthbound Beginnings. So the naming's a little maybe confusing there for you if you're not familiar with those games. I'm very, very excited about this one, and I'm really, really hoping that they'll do Mother 3 because there's never been an English or U.S. port for it, and the um, like fan version, the fan emulation one, doesn't play exactly like the game because there's a combo system that involves the music, but it's really hard to put the music along with the actual video mm-hmm. in emulation. So uh, I've played it, but I've never been able to play the full experience. I'm really really hoping that they do Mother 3 for, for this. I hope these do really, really well. And the first Earthbound is one I definitely want to go back and try and finish, because that's one I played like a good chunk mm-hmm. of, but never got to finish. And I'm really excited to have a t- chance just to go go back and play it through and like finish it, because it wasn't because of any... I was just 
other focused on other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the game was awesome, and that game has like an awesome history behind it. Mm-hmm. And like, they, I can't remember the designer's name off the top of my head, but that guy's got his like own interesting like life story, and I, I just want to go back and play that game because like everything about it and surrounding it is so interesting. Yeah, I go back and play Earthbound about once a year. It, oh I wow! I just love the game so much. It's it's just fantastic. And it's you know it turned out to be a very influential game. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. It, it didn't feel that way at the time, but like you play modern role playing games like Undertale, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. very clearly been influenced by Earthbound. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm I've never read an interview where the designer said that, but like it's one of those games where it seems to be wearing that very much on its sleeve. Oh, that yeah. this is the inspiration for it. So if you like Undertale, you should definitely check out Earthbound. I think Toby Fox, who designed Undertale, might have been like worked on an Earthbound mod too before that. So that would just be for other content. And just playing them, there's no way that one wasn't influenced right. by the other. So. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I never finished the original Earthbound either. Um, I, I played quite a bit of it, but I never owned the game back then at the time. So it was like I would rent it and see how far I could get, which wasn't super far in like a two day rental or whatever. But. Um, a really, really fun game, really different, especially back then, very different from other uh, contemporary role-playing games. Uh, speaking of contemporary Super Nintendo role-playing games, Live Alive or Live Alive, uh, I think in the trailer they pronounce it as Live Alive. I've never known how to pronounce the name of that game. <laughs> uh, this was originally a Super Nintendo role-playing game, and they are doing what... Square Enix now calls HD 2D remakes. Um, so if you saw the game, uh, tri- um, was it uh, Triangle Strategy? It's this sort of like um, diorama look to 2D games, mm-hmm. sort of like extreme depth of field mm-hmm. to 2D pixel graphics and everything. And uh, I remember this game coming out back during the 16-bit era and seeing previews of it that they might bring this eventually to the U.S. It obviously never got to the U.S. at the time, so this is the first time, if you're not doing a fan translation, that you can play this game in the U.S. And it looks amazing. Like, the graphical style and everything looks great. And uh, that game has a, a pretty diehard following uh, among people who have played it. So I'm excited for that one. Same. I, I have not played anything that looks quite like this, but I, I really want to play an HD 2D game. Those look so beautiful. Um, and this, just for the sheer fact that this doesn't look quite like anything I've ever played, I, I just really want to try this one. Um, I threw this one in there, even though it's not nearly as exciting as some of these others, but they are porting Portal 1 and 2 over to the Switch, um, which was kind of interesting because they announced this about a week before the release of the Steam Deck, which is Valve's handheld computer gaming system. And, um, you know, those are Valve games, and they're porting them to the Switch, which seems like you'd want to kind of keep those on your system and uh, only playable on the Steam Deck. But they are pouring those over, and if you haven't played those, those are fantastic games. I mean, uh, particularly Portal 1, I, I think, is one of those games that feels just about perfect. You know, you can't really say it overstays its welcome. It, it like, gets in and gets out very quick and definitely leaves you wanting more. So, um Plus, they gave us two of the greatest end credits song in video game history. Like, yeah. Still Alive and Want You Gone are both perfect. 
Yeah. Um, and I, I just remember that, you know, still alive. Like that became actually a, a pretty big hit at the time. Like people clamoring, please release this as a single. Um, I think they actually put that into rock band at some point. So, um, yeah, if you haven't played those games, definitely worth your time. Um, MLB The Show, the Sony PlayStation-developed baseball game, is getting released on the Switch this year. It came out last year for the Xbox. This year it's coming out for the Switch, as well as the Xbox, as well as the PlayStation. So MLB The Show, if you are a baseball fan, you can now play that just about everywhere, I guess. So um, you know, I haven't played a baseball game consistently since um, Triple Play, which was... EA's sports baseball game back in the early 2000s. And that game was really, really good. And I have played a little of the show. It's really, really good. It feels like tailor-made for the Switch, like sports games. I want to be able to just pick up and play whenever I want. Um, I don't want to have to, like, sit down. And, you know, it feels like a great game to play on the bus or to play in the bathroom or, you know, some something where you're, like, stuck and you like <laughs> – you just want to play something and kind of pass the time and everything. And um, it seems like a great game if it, you know, plays pretty decently on there. Um, one of the other surprises was they announced No Man's Sky on the Switch. Um, you know, that's the procedurally generated space game where you can uh, fly down to the surface of a planet and then fly back into outer space and all that's sort of seamless. And, you know, each world is entirely unique and everything to itself. Um, really just kind of an amazing game launched really terribly, but over the years they've really made that into uh, a really fun, you know, worthwhile game. I feel like, and that is launching on the switch, which was, I think a lot of people were surprised that the switch could actually handle that game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, and then one last one here for the Nintendo Direct, and this is a personal favorite of mine. Klonoa 1 and 2 are coming out on the Switch. And if you have never played Klonoa, I love Klonoa. Uh, Klonoa was a, a, a series that started on the original PlayStation. Um, and they're, they're, I guess, what you call 2.5D games. Um, so they're kind of on a 2d plane, but the the world kind of will shift around you and everything as you're playing, um, just fantastic platforming games. If you like kind of old school 2d platformers and everything terribly overlooked at the time. Um, and they're just games that you're just excited to see more people get the chance to play. The switch seems like the perfect place to play those um, and, uh, yeah, everybody should play Klonoa. <laughs> That's my big recommendation. Um, so I, I really want more people to play that one. Um, speaking of the Steam Deck, uh, Valve has started shipping out the first uh, Steam Decks. Um, this is their portable PC gaming system that looks like an oversized Switch. Looks like it's about 40% bigger than a Switch, somewhere in there. Um Early reviews have been really good, except the big criticism has been terrible battery life on mm-hmm. it. Um, but, you know, I did see people playing Elden Ring on that over the weekend. And um, if that thing can handle Elden Ring, a brand new top tier release, that seems like it can probably handle most things that are out right now, at least. Um PlayStation Spartacus. OJ, you mentioned this a little earlier. This is PlayStation's competitor to uh, 
Xbox Game Pass. They seem the rumor that has come out is that they are taking PlayStation Plus and breaking that into three different tiers. Uh, the low tier would be called Essential. It would be $10 a month, and seems like it would be pretty much what PlayStation Plus is right now. You'd get uh, free games each month with it, kind of like you do with PlayStation Plus right now. Uh, the new tiers would be Extra, which adds a back game or adds a game catalog. Um, so um, I, I think they call it PlayStation Plus Essentials on the PlayStation 5 right now. And if you buy a PlayStation 5 and you have PlayStation Plus, there's like um, 10, 15, 20 PlayStation 4 games that you just get to play free Mm -hmm. on there. You can download as long as you're subscribed to PlayStation Plus. That's what this really sounds like to me, kind of expanding that catalog and everything. Um, And then the premium service is adding streaming games. So that's... (laughs) PlayStation has so many different services. <laughs> Their PlayStation Now service, mm-hmm. it sounds like they're folding that into PlayStation Plus. Um, so that's the streaming. Then I think what's probably most exciting is they're adding classic games, which sounds like that would be PlayStation 1 and 2 games at least, mm-hmm. and maybe PlayStation 3 games. Come on, Mega Man Legends. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Capcom's not doing anything with Mega Man, so they might as well let Sony <laughs> put it on here. No, they're not. Um, so, you know, that that seems like something people have been looking for, backwards compatibility and everything. Um, the only thing is that they're putting this behind a paywall. You know, it's similar to what Nintendo is doing on the Switch. You can't buy Super Mario Brothers on there, but you can subscribe to the online service that gives you access to it. Um, so, you know, there's a parallel at least there. And then, um, they're also going to have game trials, which sound like those will be something kind of what EA play has where, um, maybe new games, you would get to play those for five, 10 hours, um, without paying for them. And then you would have to, at that point they would lock and you'd have to pay the 60, $70 or whatever to unlock the full game. Um, I don't know. Does this, since several of you mentioned your PlayStation uh, fans, does this sound appealing to you at all in any way? The classic games and trials does. The sixteen dollars a month does not. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I I really am not a big fan of this movement towards pay by the month to play a game for a long time. I much rather would buy the game and just have access to it. Yeah, the the sort of subscription model. That's what you're talking about, yeah. That a lot of uh, a lot of things are kind of moving to right. Like um, obviously, music with Spotify, Apple Music, and that sort of thing. You don't really own music anymore; you just subscribe to it. Um, I don't know. Any other thoughts on this? Well, I have PlayStation Plus and PlayStation Now, so I I think I'll be paying a little bit less per month now with all of this put together. Um, the one big thing that I'm hoping for, though, is that we're able to download the games rather than playing them on the, the streaming service. Because you can download some of the games on PlayStation Now, but, like, there's uh, Castlevania. I think it's Harmony of Dissonance, which is the online one. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't get the DLC for that you can only play on P- uh, PlayStation 3 because it's streaming. You have to be able to download the game in order to get DLC from it. So there's uh, multiple levels that you can't play. Uh, when you're playing on PlayStation now. So I'm hoping that they add the ability to download those games so that you can get all the DLC because there's a lot of DLC missing in games. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, it seems like it's one more subscription service that's going to maybe price some people out mm-hmm. between, you know, um, the Nintendo Online service, which now that has the DLC addition uh, to it, if you want to get Genesis and N64 games. Um, now you have Xbox Game Pass, and you're probably getting Xbox Game Pass Ultimate if you're doing that, mm-hmm. which is $15 a month if you don't get a deal on it. And then this is another, you know, 15 or $16. We should say this $10, $13, $16 are the different tiers, but these are still rumors. The You know, mm-hmm. certainly prices can change and shift. Uh, there might be some sort of deal if you pay for a year in advance, you get that slightly cheaper. Uh, but they really seem to be going for that Netflix model with these. Um, yeah, I'm. It I it just does not feel very consumer friendly to me. I I don't necessarily want to play everything in the classic PlayStation's library. There's a few games I would just like to get and then be done with it. Like this kind of at the same time makes me. I don't have a PlayStation Five right now. This simultaneously makes me want to get one more and one less, which is weird. Because um, on the one hand, I want the opportunity to get some of those classic games. I don't want to pay 16 bucks a month just to have access to all of them though. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I completely understand that. I'm kind of, and they seem to know that that's the big selling point because they're putting that in the top tier instead of moving like the monthly games up to the top tier or something. It seems like they know, you know, that's what will get people to pay it. Um, which, you know, I can't blame them from a business standpoint, but I think you're right. There's something very consumer unfriendly about it. Um, we are almost out of time, so let's kind of run through these last few stories here real quick. Uh, Street Fighter Six was announced. Any Street Fighter fans? Yeah, so Street Fighters, this announcement was just massive. It was just completely humongous um, because I think as I was growing up, Street Fighter Two Turbo was everybody's life when it came out. Mm-hmm. Like Street Fighter is just a big, gigantic uh, part of our lives. So I think people who were... You know, growing up playing in the 90s are really, really excited about Street Fighter Six. Yeah. Uh, do you play a lot of Street Fighter? Have you played a lot of Five? No, I've only actually played two, but I'm very excited about Six. None of the other games were really that big, but I saw there was like a, a really massive uh, uprising around this one, so I'm excited. Yeah, I feel like, um, you know, I, I played a, quite a bit of Street Fighter Two. I was never particularly very good at it, but mm-hmm. I did play it, um, and... I've, I, you know, I feel like Street Fighter is one of those series that, as time has gone on, I feel like it's bled fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I feel like you really have to be into Street Fighter to play it today. Mm-hmm. It's not like some of these older legacy series, like you know Mario or Resident Evil, mm-hmm. where like new people can jump in. Um, you know, it, not that new people can't, but I just feel like there's such a steep learning curve there mm-hmm. to really get into it at this point. Um, but I'm always excited to see what they do with that series, um, you know. And um, the trailer makes Ryu look like he's as thick as a truck. Yeah, um, he's like yeah. the size of four men put together. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I it, hate four smaller men to get this size. <laughs> he should have had Kirby mouthful mode. <laughs> Who do you think trained Kirby? <laughs> He, he may have ate Kirby. That may be <laughs> the issue here. Uh, Sony revealed the PlayStation VR 2 design. So this is their new VR headset for the PlayStation 5. Um, it 
looks nice. Um, definitely has taken some design inspiration from the PlayStation 5's design. Mm-hmm. Um, has this very kind of oval, smooth, you know, bl- no straight lines on it sort of design. Um, and, you know, I don't have a PlayStation VR 1, uh, but I have tried one on before, and it's very comfortable. As far as VR headsets, it's a very mm-hmm. comfortable headset to wear. So, um, you know, I... I think there's something to be optimistic about this one and the specs on it sound pretty nice. So if you want to play VR games on your PlayStation, it sounds like this will be worthwhile. Yeah. And I think I saw something that was really amazing on that is that with their eye detection and their uh, focus rendering where your eye is looking. So if you look at a certain place, it's going to focus the rendering on that specific place rather than rendering everything. And I think that's a huge jump. Dang. Um. So, um, big news that just happened a few days ago is that they announced the ninth generation of Pokemon, mm-hmm. Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Um, and they announced it for this year, which seemed shocking that yep. it would be out this year, especially like beginning the year with Park, uh, Pokemon Legends and then ending it potentially with Scarlet and Violet. Um it seems like it's going to be a crazy year financially for Game Freak and Nintendo <laughs> um, <laughs> because Pokemon Legend has already sold millions of copies and, you know, it will probably hit 20 million copies by the end of the year easily. And, you know, certainly this brand new ninth generation Pokemon game is going to easily do that as well. Um, so excited for new Pokemon? I would die for Fukoko. <laughs> Same. I love uh, I love a derpy Pokemon. I love Psyduck, and I really love Fukuoko. Fukuoko is the fire starter for anyone who hasn't looked up the names yet. It's and I might butcher this, but it's Sprigatito, Fukuoko, and Quaxley, and I would die for all three of them. I'm generally a grass starter my first round through, but Fukuoko's so derpy. I mm. love him. Okay, okay, so this is interesting because I'm generally like when I do play Pokemon, I'm a fire starter. Mm-hmm. And Fukuoko looks great. Like any other one, I'd be like, I'd want him. But I, I have a cat. I love cats. I want the green cat. Um, and I thought I was kind of done playing Pokemon too because I was like, I got Pokemon Let's Go Eevee not too long ago and f- played it just like as a nostalgia trip. Like, okay, I've had my nostalgia trip. I might play Arcea- Arceus later. And uh, I might not. I might just focus on like other RPGs. And then this came out and I'm like, green cat. <laughs> and that is it. That is all. That was the selling point for me. There's a green kitten. I want to get the kitten. I want to name it after my cat, and that will be my game. <laughs> well, it's going to be really cool, too, because it's based around the Iberian Peninsula region in real mm-hmm. life. So, you know, we've had France, we've had England, now we get Spain and Portugal. So mm-hmm. it's going to be so pretty. You know, the graphics that they've already released look gorgeous. I'm so hyped. Yeah. And the, the memes for the cat Pokemon, <laughs> because I've already seen uh, marijuana cat and, and stuff because he, he's green and he has a, like what looks like a leaf design uh, over his face, like between his eyes and everything. And so people have already been Photoshopping that to be a marijuana leaf and everything. So <laughs> I, I see like a whole fandom popping up around this cat <laughs> very quickly. It'll be interesting to see if Nintendo starts like censoring the names that you can give it. If people are just like 420 lit, <laughs> <laughs> lit kit. <laughs> well, speaking of the memes too, I've seen the memes about the, the duck, the water starter looking like Donald Duck. 
and he really he does. looks like Donald Pompadour. Duck, and he looks like the Mad Mallard en- enemies from Secret of Mana because <laughs> yeah. he, he has his hair on his head, mm-hmm. but it looks like a hat the way it's like set and everything. And uh, I saw someone saying, "I'll play him as long as I don't need to depend on him for casting Kuraga." Because <laughs> <laughs> we're we're blending all of our franchises yeah. together at this point. <laughs> the Just Kingdom Hearts. We'll get joke. another Kingdom Hearts game where they go to a Pokemon region. <laughs> See. My favorite meme, though, so far has been the one. Um, they, it's a mashup of a, co- a comic book panel from Garfield where Garfield's smoking John's cigar, mm. and John's like, Garfield! And they just swapped it out with the green Pokemon cat smoking a joint. And like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just that cat's going to, every time you ask him to do anything, he's going to be like, it's going to check the calendar, the internal calendar, and say, <laughs> it's Mondays, I hate Mondays. <laughs> just not respond to you at all. Um, yeah, two... Uh, Two last little quick bits here. Uncharted was the number one movie for the second weekend in a row. Um, and they Sony Pictures has talked about this is a franchise to them at this point. Um, it's done well enough, so mm-hmm. it looks like we'll be getting a second Uncharted movie. Has anybody seen that yet? I don't know if anybody's been out to the I haven't been able to see it yet, no. Yeah. I've not made it to see that yet, but I think I'm going home in April, and I'm probably going to see it with my sister then. Yeah, I'm interested. Um, you know, I really like the Uncharted games, so I'm fairly interested in seeing that. But um, I, I guess, you know, I'm happy that it's done well. Um, if it's a good movie, I've heard some good reviews of it, and, you know, not so much from critics, but from people who've been to see it. <laughs> so I guess we'll see. And speaking of uh, movies and television, Twisted Metal, we've known for a while that they were working on a series, and they just announced today that that series will air on Peacock, uh, the NBC streaming service, and that Anthony Mackie uh, from um, from Captain America and the Winter, Fal- uh, Winter Soldier Um <laughs> It, no, it's not. It's not that. It's Falcon, Falcon and the, and the Winter, Winter Soldier. Soldier, right? Yeah, I, I can't keep. Those. He is Captain America now. So uh, I feel like did they change that at the end? Wasn't that the end credits that on the last episode they changed it so it said Captain America and the Winter Soldier or something? I feel like in that last yeah, episode they did, they did um, which you know is the title of one of the movies. It's just so confusing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, but anyway, Anthony Mackie, who's uh, you know very likable actor and everything, he's going to be starring in this new movie. Um, so that's kind of a or new series, I should say. Um, so that's kind of exciting. Um, I really like the first two Twisted Metal games. Um, I don't know how this will work as a series, uh, but I'm interested at least to check it out and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, Twisted Metal is a car combat series for those who don't know. It's uh, big on the PlayStation, and there's been. I think PlayStation 3 was the last time they released a new game. Twisted Metal Black, I think, was on that. Um, or maybe that was just called Twisted Metal. Maybe PlayStation 2 was Twisted Metal Black. I get those titles confused. Um, all right, that is it for news. And we want to end here, and we're just about out of time, but we want to end kind of with a big question each week to talk about. And this week's question is, what is your favorite Super Mario game? So, um, OJ, you went last last time, so we'll let you go first this time. Um, what is your favorite Super Mario game? So I really love most of them, but Super Mario RPG is the absolute top for me. I really wish they would make more of them, and I, like 
keep the the awesome stuff within the fights, like the Mario jumping on the um, the characters and Mallow's reign. I, I just love everything. The sort about of timing it. based combat, yeah, yeah. That mm-hmm. you had to hit A right as he mm-hmm. he hit the uh, Goombas or something. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was just amazing. So I really wish they would make new, but like you said before, they probably won't, but they should. Yeah, the uh, the Paper Mario series is kind of the successor to mm-hmm. that, uh, but it's it's not the same. And right. so I think a lot of people would really like a very uh, faithful follow-up to oh, the absolutely. original Super Mario RPG. Um, Ryan, how about you? What's your favorite Mario game? Oh, man, I'd really like a chance to play Super Mario RPG. Um, so I kind of have a couple answers. One is like the nostalgic historical favorite. One is the one I probably enjoy most now. Um, the nostalgic historical favorite is Mario Kart Wii, which nowadays, I've, if I wanted to play Mario Kart, I'd probably try to play just like Mario Kart 8 or something. Mm-hmm. But just that one was like came out like at a point in my life when I, I needed it. Uh, it was just a good way, an awesome way to bond with my siblings. My, me, my brother, and my two sisters would play it. Um, and it, it just came at an important time, and I, like, I needed that game. Mm-hmm. Um, so that... I wouldn't play it as much now necessarily, but just because of what it was then, that my gut response is that. Uh, what I probably enjoy the most now is Super Mario Odyssey. I know that, I mean, it overall got critical acclaim. I think there were some fans that weren't as keen on it. I see what they were saying, but I, I still felt so good just to play that game, like just to jump around and explore those worlds. Um, New Donk City was awesome. That was my favorite part. Uh, and I love that you actually have mechanics around the hat. That hat's been such a central part of him, and you finally get to do stuff with it. Um, so, yeah, I, I like Super Mario Odyssey, I guess, is my current favorite. Yeah, I, I love Super Mario Odyssey. Like, I, I think I think the year it came out, that was my favorite game of that year, and that's the year that we got Breath of the Wild, which is a fantastic game. Uh, but that's just an amazing game. It oh, feels yeah. so good. Um, you know, it, it kind of shows you how good Nintendo is at making games because there's no platformer that feels as good as Super Mario Odyssey. Agreed. Um, and, you know, I think you're right. The throwing of the hat, the fact that you can, you know, kind of do a triple jump and then throw your hat out and then land on the hat and then bounce off of the hat. And, like, it, it you know, just levels of kind of gameplay that you don't feel like um, you don't feel like you're supposed to be there. You feel like you're inventing something, but like, you know, in reality, like they programmed it, they made it so mm-hmm. you could do all that. And it just feels great. And it's just such a treat to explore like those different levels. Like, and I love how like um, a reviewer, I like to listen to super eye patch wolf. He likes to like talk about like games that are dense. Like it's not necessarily a big space, but the space you have is really dense and full of stuff. And um, that's why I, what I think some of the best levels in that are like that. Like I, I love that. The, I love the first introductory level with like the, the T-Rex. Right. And I love again, new donk city where there's like, you get to go on top of buildings and find secrets and stuff. Yeah. The, the food world that you go to and mm. you know, everything's made out of food and it, you know, just the little details in that. It's just fantastic. Um, yeah. I feel like that game somehow is underappreciated. Uh, despite all the critical acclaim for it. Yeah. Uh, and it still somehow feels underappreciated um, that people don't appreciate, like, just how great of a game that is. Yeah. Uh, Alicia, how about you? Yeah, I was also going to say Super Mario Odyssey. You know, I, I wasn't really one who played a lot of Super Mario games, but that's one, especially I've been watching YouTubers and Twitch streamers who 
have done a lot of like world record runs and challenge runs and stuff like that. And it's really cool to see not only, like you said, being able to incorporate Cappy and things like that, but also the, the fun ways you can break the game and <laughs> still have a good time with it. And being able to see the different challenge runs that people have come up with with, with it, I feel like... And granted, I haven't necessarily looked into other ga- Mario games as much for this, but I feel like there's so much creativity with Odyssey that just makes it so much fun. Great. Um, and for me, I mean... Generally, when people ask me my favorite game of all time, I go back to this one, and it's Super Mario World. I just think Super Mario World is such a perfect game, and as much as I like Mario Odyssey, I feel like Super Mario World is a game that I can't even nitpick. I can't say really a negative thing about it. Um, I still remember the first time playing it and going into a cave, and there's the echo effect when you jump, and... Um, you know, finding the the hidden exits for the first time. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it was a time period where there weren't any Let's Plays. And so you just stumbled onto that sort of thing. And you're like, wait, why is there a door up here? And you go through it and you come out and, you know, it wasn't unheard of for Mario games to have secrets in them. But then the fact that that would change the map and you'd get to the Star World and all of that on top mm. of it, it just felt like, um, it felt like at a, playing at a whole new level and everything. And I know lots of people prefer Mario 3, but to me, Mario World is the better uh, game. And I still think it's the best Mario game ever made. But, you know, I think Mario Odyssey might be my second favorite (laughs) at this point. I I just really think that's a good game. Um, But, uh, yeah, so that's going to wrap up our first episode. Uh, Well, hold on a second, Justin. We haven't asked you how you're doing yet, so I I just (laughs) wanted to know how how are you doing. I forgot. (laughs) How are you doing, Justin? Oh, well, thank you for uh, two of you asking. Uh, Ryan's just frustrated that he dropped the ball on his own joke. Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Um, I'm a little tired after an hour talking, but uh, <laughs> but otherwise, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, thanks for checking in. Um, so, yeah, uh, this has been our first episode. Um, we will be back soon with some more episodes. Um, we're going to kind of figure out maybe the format and uh, a little bit about how often we will record these and everything, kind of play around with it. And if you have ideas or suggestions or thoughts, feedback that you want to give, you can email me at justin.young at siu.edu. I'll pass that along to anyone else. Um, But thanks for listening, and uh, we'll we'll hear from us very soon.